More Norwegian records by some familiar brothers, 200 sub-3 marathons on one pair of legs, colleges are canceling sports, and Andy and Zach dig into the fascinating intersection of personality and performance. Information about the world of running, inspiration to fuel passion and excellence, and ideas for making connections and finding community. You're listening to A to Z Running. Welcome back. We got episode 37 here for you. I'm Zach. And I'm Andy. And we have lots to talk about, as always. Now, before we get into it, I did want to mention, I this week I feel like I've just had a number of like normal feeling experiences with running, which is just Yay. wonderful. Let me tell you all about it. So first of all, I've, I've been dealing with a shin problem. I mentioned last week that I got some kind of injury thing um, and, and I was able to see my doctor very quickly and then go on to see Adam Homolka at Endurance Rehab for some physical therapy. Um, that was just early in the week and this was about a week ago from while you're listening to this and Adam was very helpful as he always is. Adam is he's quite insightful and he is an expert in his field. Absolutely. So um, we, we identified what appears to be just kind of like a strain in the muscle and got right on finding out where the areas that might be putting pressure on that and i think we we've kind of resolved it you know i've been feeling pretty good running since then and just easing back into it but part of the reason i needed to try to get back into running quickly is because i was scheduled to run a race (laughs) like an actual event yes that was so much fun so rebecca put on the team orphans social distance 5k on Mm -hmm. saturday at robinettes and we saw many of you there and some of you mentioned that you were listening to us and, you know, we didn't necessarily know who we were. And so now we can put names with faces. We just really appreciate that. So if you're ever hesitant and like, oh, that's Zach or Andy or, you know, because we just wear A to Z running everywhere we go. So mm-hmm. it's pretty hard to miss us. <laughs> but um, if you're ever just hesitant, like, you know, just come up and say hi. Yeah. It's been really exciting. So that was really cool mm-hmm. because, you know, we've all been we've been craving that. Yeah. And I've been craving donuts. So even though I couldn't run, <laughs> I could still eat Robinette's donuts. That, and that was pretty that was pretty solid. That did happen. It did happen. For real. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we, we just really enjoyed that. Um, we, we kind of semi disobeyed the race's instructions to leave the premises right away after the race. Oh, I left the premises we of did. the race part but of it. We just and then walked I took over photos, to Robinette's, got some like, donuts. Yeah. And, yeah. We did a pretty good job. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's one of those things where it's just hard. It's it's also hard to leave because it feels so good to be, be at an event mm-hmm. and other runners. And I saw my cousin there. Yeah, yeah, yeah my aunt, and your aunt, and, and a number of old uh, Rockford teachers, which you didn't see. I saw. Okay. So shout out to Rockford High School teachers. Um, yeah, just some really cool things going on. And so we were glad to be a part of that, and it felt kind of like semi normal in a sense, you know, just to to do it. And it was a very creative race as well mm-hmm. with the way they, you know, made it happen. And I thought that was kind of neat too. So if you didn't get a chance to participate, it means you were ignoring the many times we told you to participate <laughs> in that race. Or you don't live there. I mean, okay, sure. The so things, obviously yeah. we know that not everyone listening is West Michigan. So if, if you didn't get a chance to, but you're just thinking to yourself, I kind of want to get out and, you know, look for those opportunities because yeah. we know they're happening. We've seen a few more and we'll keep letting you know about those opportunities too, because I just think 
we gotta we gotta do it. It just feels so good to get the running community somehow intersecting mm-hmm. again. You know, and in we're safe gonna ways. create a blog post that has some of the great things that Team Orphans Social Distance Five K did that we think that maybe if you're considering putting on a small event, uh, that you might want to to mirror to do the yeah. same thing because it worked really well. It did. It did. It was wonderful. And I, you know, I was one of those who ran in the first, the very first time slot. So I got to just kind of hang around while people were coming and going. um, And I didn't have to worry about trying to run anymore myself. There's something about like when you get the pressure of actually doing the run out of the way, the rest of the event is so much more fun to enjoy. Yeah. So it's cool. Or you just aren't running and you're eating donuts. Or sometimes just being there and spectating. (laughs) But okay. I, we have to say that this is going to be a great episode about where personality meets performance And I think that you're going to really enjoy some of the quotes we have, some of the athletes we're going to talk about. So we'll get into the world of running and then we have a great topic for you. All right. Thanks for keeping me on track, Andy. Let's do this. The Inga Brixton brothers from Norway were on fire in like their own personal track meet. They're at it again. Yeah. They just can't be stopped. Yeah, so the meet was kind of odd because there yes. was hardly any athletes there. There's hardly anyone, period, right. there. As a matter of fact, in order to create the impression of fans and spectators, they literally lined the home straightaway five rows deep with cardboard cutouts of That's people. Amazing. Like fully painted, clothing painted on I would have set my face there. That would have been... You would have set your face? Uh-huh, what? like said, hey, here's my cutout. Let's pretend I'm there. Oh, you like you want to send them a picture of yourself say. and okay, say pretend weird. to be... That, yeah. That's strange. But... They also had puppets. Some people like took PVC pipe, like life-size puppets with PVC pipes strapped and everything. We're going to link to this article so you can scroll down and see the pictures. This is just grand. And then some people who wanted to still cheer live got some of those like Hilo things, you know, with the big basket and it just raises it up super high. I don't know how they got some of those, first of all. There's like three of them all put, mashed together and they're up above the stadium on the one side so they can still see what's going on inside the oh, stadium. crazy. I know. Super they fans. They love track there. And Thank I you. would love to see the track here in the U.S. get to be like that. That's like my dream. First, we need a family of brothers who are breaking <laughs> records every time they race, <laughs> even if there's no one else in the race. Pretty incredible. Yeah. So Philippe, he is one of the older brothers from Norway. He got a 216-1K Norwegian record. That's fast. It's very Solid. fast. So the 1K goes down to Philippe and then... Well, I have to say first about this oh, race. Yes, I'm going to link to it. I have a YouTube video. I watched the whole thing. I didn't realize when they started it that it was all rabbits but him. So it was like three rabbits It looked like it him. was a race going on. And he on. finished by himself. So yeah. technically, he got the national record for Norway in a race that it was only him. He's yeah. the only finisher. Now, it should be mentioned that they didn't used to allow that for records. To okay. have a legitimate record, you used to have to have competition, competitors okay. in the race. Otherwise, it's just a solo time trial with rabbits, which mm-hmm. seemed like, for, for a time at least, that that was kind of an unfair way to try to chase records. But now, obviously, you have to let that be the case because mm. you don't even have opportunities for races these days. Right. And there were people there as rabbits that just, they could be, yeah. you could probably say that they're just DNFs or something like that. Well, I don't know. I mean, sure. But they do allow it now. You yeah. can time trial a record if there are other factors involved. You know, you have to get it on. They also had stuff. like the laser on the track too. 
Yeah, that's kind of a newer thing since mm-hmm. Nike's Marathon Breaking 2 project where they were doing that with Kipchoge. Now they've been doing that a little bit more in track meets. So there's stuff. a laser, for those of you that don't know, there's a laser that is set at the pace of the world record or American record or whatever. Whatever record they're chasing. Yeah, whatever yeah. record they're chasing. And it, the athlete is able to see it visibly on the track, not just the spectators on television. So all you Wii track and field players or just the old Nintendo track and field, when you had to do the thing where you were like racing against the ghost of the record holder, you know, and you had to like chase the ghost kind of thing, it's actually real. Ah, but it's just lasers. That's so crazy. I so, tell you, us- so you could put a laser for your own PR... Or for ah. your most recent performance, and then chase your own record. Mm-hmm. Mm, interesting. All this PR chasing people are doing these days. Speaking of which, Jacob, the youngest of the Inga Brixton brothers, ran. He's 19 years old, by the way. We've been talking about him being young in general, but we need perspective here. He's 19 years old, and he just broke another national record, (laughs) and this time in the 2K. And not only did he break a national record, he ran 450, which means very little for most of us because it's a 2K. It's very abstract. But to put it in global perspective, it's the seventh fastest 2K time ever Mm. by a human or at least he's the seventh fastest person. Um, and, you know, so he's he's right behind Kenanisa Bekele, world record holder in the 5K and 10K. Epic. You know, he's the one who ran two seconds slower than Kipchoge's marathon record. Like, mm-hmm. he's yeah. he's good stuff. Um, so he's right behind Kenanisa's 2K time. And some people will say, well, Bekele didn't really, like, kill it in shorter distances ever. But he was still an incredible runner. Yeah, yeah. So the there's that. Time. He also just beat, just barely beat Noah Nagenis. 2k record and no one again he is the second fastest miler in the history of time he's the one who would have broken the world record but lost to lg the famous hikam el garouche mm-hmm. in the race to get the world record yeah crazy and this is a 19 year old from norway who's just smoking the scene it's because he's been chasing those brothers i yeah. i think he can attribute it a lot to chasing those brothers now. well he's still chasing he's the them youngest. because <laughs> philippe just broke a national record right. in the one case so jacob you got to get on it man they're still beating you and stuff well they weren't <laughs> racing in the same race but you know so let's go to from young 19 year old to older yeah this gentleman has been running for 42 years doug curtis he has just been recognized as the u.s's toughest most consistent marathon runner wow and he has run 76 sub 220 marathons oh boy yes i've done that once Uh, 200 marathons sub three so i think anyone who will willfully run 200 marathons in their life deserves Either a plaque or like a statue or something, or we should probably put them in some kind of asylum because you're running 200 (laughs) marathons. Crazy. I I think it's quite amazing. And he was also working full time in Detroit, Michigan. So I think that's pretty incredible that he was doing that. And Michigander shout out. Michigander shout out. All right. We're going to end this segment with some sad news this time. I know, but we got to talk about this. So college sports are being cut. Um, mm-hmm. and, and naturally the attention is predominantly on the NCAA D1 cause that's, you know, apparently what anyone cares about in the U S but, um, it's across the board. College sports are getting cut and it's tragic and awful. And as you probably can assume, a lot of the cuts happen in those sports that are less popular, certainly less revenue driven. So like no NCAA D1 school has cut basketball, for instance, mm-hmm. <laughs> and they probably won't. Um, but a number of them are cutting cross country and Sad. track. It's sad. And Central Michigan is on that list. So one of our very own schools in the state here cut men's indoor and outdoor track. 
curiously, only men's. Yeah. Which is interesting because it's not really helping them with funding a whole ton because they still have to operate the program, the sport right. for the women. Uh, but they also the built like a really nice facility not terribly long ago. And so it would be horrible to cut the whole program because then they've got just this empty facility. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm glad that the women's still on. Akron announced they were cutting men's cross country and that's Clayton Murphy's home school, alma mater. And Clayton Murphy's, you know, he's an Olympian in 800 and he's also a great miler. And so... Yeah, not good stuff. And it's only increasing at the moment. A couple of schools have rolled back some of their cuts to reinstate the sports, but others are still announcing. So we grabbed a link to a tracker, a site that is tracking what schools are dropping what sports. And uh, if you want to try to stay up to date on that, we'll put a link to that as well in the post. What do you think the ramifications will be for those who are on the edge of like, do I do college sports or do I go pro like the ones that are good enough for that do you think that, that will tip them towards pro running more quickly uh, it's contextual it yeah. depends on where they are depends on what, what, what program yeah. they're in yep um you know and it's it's only a few there's like 150 total across all collegiate divisions which you know if you spread that out that's not a ton um so it's not like everyone's cutting sports at the moment but we know that there's a revenue problem. Yeah. The schools have a revenue problem across all levels, all schools. And so um, we're going to probably see more. Mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll keep you up to date on that if there's notable updates to make. Otherwise, you know, it's a bummer. And if you hear about uh, some of those things, apparently enough, uh, enough support to try to keep the program going has helped in some places. Brown is an example of that. They originally cut cross country and track and now they've reinstated it so if you know if you hear about it in your alma mater speak up and try to keep that program going because these kids they need it exactly well that about wraps up the topics for this week and just keep in mind that we've always got more to share every week new updates from the world of running and before we move on we got to take a quick break sharing about the personality traits of highly successful athletes, specifically runners. Recently, we've been sharing some quotes from extraordinary American athletes, and we're using these superstar athletes as examples of these traits. We did an article that we'll link to with Instagram-sized quotes for your reference. So we got this idea from an article that we read on sportsmanagementdegrees.com, and specifically isolating 20 different personality traits that they claim, the authors claim, um, you see in high-performing athletes. Mm -hmm. However, I immediately want to apply the caveat here because we know that personality science is convoluted at best. Um, it, It certainly is not a perfect science and it's hard to even always call it science because a lot of it is kind of guesswork. Um, but what we're trying to do here is we're trying to draw out what are the kinds of qualities that we tend to see in these really high performing athletes. So this list is 20 of them. We don't even necessarily, uh, you know, find ourselves agreeing with the equal weight placed on all of them. Um, But it's also so long that we're not really going to try to touch on every single one of these either. So if you want to actually see the whole list and get into the author's explanation, you can do that. We'll put the link. We want to try to identify the ones that we tend to see most often in runners specifically. Mm -hmm. And we'll come back to the point in a moment. First, Andy, let's just walk through what some of these are and some of the examples that you noticed. 
Yeah, the first one is inner desire to succeed. And I don't think that any of us would disagree that as a runner, you need to have a strong inner desire to keep running. Yeah, it's it's hard to motivate someone else to run and be committed and disciplined in uh-huh. running and training. I was so, actually talking about that about that with someone today. Today, yeah, oh. about getting kids to run. Oh, yeah. So it's yeah. good for your child to choose to do that. But my mom actually was the one who kind of persuaded me because I wanted to do soccer. Yeah, our audience has heard this story. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Anyway, all that to say, <laughs> it has to come from within, even if it's trickery that gets you to choose it from within. <laughs> So a good example a good here, <laughs> yeah. Good example here from Krishana Williams. Yeah, she's an Olympian. She's a world record holder in the four by eight too. So she's an amazing athlete. She says, "Ever ask yourself why you do what you do? What motivates you to continue to strive through all the hard work and time spent?" Well, for me, the desired end result and putting a smile on my face is one of my primary motives. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. That actually reminds me of last week's guest, Obse Baru, yeah. was talking about, you know, so what's it all for? Uh-huh. Um, and I thought I thought she just had this really big perspective, like just yeah. deep and wide perspective, which is great. So if you didn't hear that last week, go listen to episode mm-hmm. 36, Obse Baru. Next up, we're going to talk about natural goal setter. So as a personality trait, I feel like this is more of an action than a personality trait. Like it's a habit. Mm -hmm. And we see that in all of the habits books, right? Every book that's ever written about habits talks about goal setting. But either way, as a a kind of element of your consistency and who you are and how you do things, natural goal setter makes a ton of sense. Well, it makes sense that Aji Wilson was a very good goal setter because she's achieved a lot of goals. You know, she's an Olympian. She's the 800 meter American record holder. She has a ton of medals that I'm not even going to go through with them all because we do an entire episode talking about her. But she says, few better feelings than going into a race with a goal or plan and getting the job done. I agree with that. I do. Um, And I feel the same thing. For me, it's more fulfilling an experience to have a plan and then execute it successfully. Um, it's more fulfilling than if I go into an experience with no plan and it ends up really great. That's still fun, but it just doesn't feel the same. But Andy, you sometimes like that feeling better. Mm, yeah, it's good for me to have a multi-tiered goal. And I realized that in college with my help with help of my coach, Rod Wortley. He had introduced me to this three-tier goal plan and that works well for me. But that's still goal setting. It is. Yeah, yeah. it's not the same. And I, I like that this trait, like Zach was saying, can actually be learned because I might not be a natural goal setter, but I can teach myself for it to come naturally. So yep. that's one that we can take away no matter what our natural bend is. I think when the primary motivation, and meaning you're doing the activity with uh, with some kind of intent in mind, some kind of purpose beyond just you enjoy the activity, uh, when the primary vo- motivation involves improvement, mm. if you don't use goals as a way to benchmark that improvement, you're more likely than not going to just end up frustrated or demotivated a lot of the time because you don't have a sense of accomplishment as mm-hmm. you're going along. I really like White Pine Moving Mamas. I just saw that they've been doing a couple goals that are different than like a time goal. They were doing 100 miles in May is what they were mm-hmm. doing. And I think they're doing the same this month. And I thought that was a really good idea because it's not a time goal. So if you're not in a stage of life where you're training really hard, there's still goals that you can set. 
Well, if you ever want to know who the king of artificial goal setting is, like just creating a goal for the sake of having a way to achieve a benchmark, that's Strava. Ah. And the Strava challenge concept has dominated the world of this is a meaningless goal and yet it matters. It matters. Somehow. Yeah, if it's getting you out moving, it matters. <laughs> or giving you a discount on Lululemon products. Ooh, yeah. Which seems like every third challenge is a Lululemon challenge. <laughs> All right, next up is self-discipline. Jesse Owens, who I wish I was related to, and I'm still going to try to dig and find if there's any connection because my maiden name is Owens, one of my Come favorite on. athletes, actually the first professional athlete that I knew of in history because of my name being Andy Owens. <laughs> So he lived in the time of 1930 to 1980 and is a four-time gold medalist. If you don't know his story, you should be looking it up. It's called Race. That's what the movie is called. Mm -hmm. That's what the race... Yeah, the movie is called Race, and it's a really powerful movie. It's great. The battles that count aren't the ones for gold medals. The struggles within yourself, the invisible, inevitable battles inside all of us, that's where it's at. Whoa. Deep. Yeah, and... That's that's that point of, you know, especially in running, you're fighting the battle inside yourself mm-hmm. all the time. You're not always fighting the battle outside yourself, you know, like the race and the competition and such, but you're always fighting the one inside. And so that's the one you really have to be able to win consistently mm-hmm. to to feel progress and success and those kinds of things. And, you know, we've 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 heard it said um, that you'll you'll be successful when you can conquer your own demons. Mm hmm. And part of that's okay. through self-discipline because that there's is. so many things that are holding us back from achievement, especially in these high-performing athletes. They're going to have to snuff out everything that's holding them back to be the best in the world, to best be the best in the country, and some of these people to be the best of all time. Right on. Which feeds itself well into the next one we're going to talk about, which is optimism. Charlene Lipsy, she is the in- indoor 4 by 800 meter record holder with that relay team. She also has won uh, a U.S. championship. She says, you are doing your best. Look how far you've come. Look how strong and resilient you are. No current situation or challenge can hold you down. Snap out of overthinking. Remember who you are, why you started, and where you're headed. So she's got like seven mantras in one, yeah. which is wonderful. Such a great quote. Yeah, that's uh, that is optimism. Mm-hmm. Um, optimism at, at its finest is a gut reaction. So this this is the hard thing to like. People will say like I'm an optimist because I force myself to think. But optimism at its best is a gut reaction, and not everyone has an optimistic gut reaction, which is part of why it is a personality trait. It's mm-hmm. not just a learned habit. It can be both. Mm-hmm. But as an example, I am not an optimist. At a gut level. He's not, you guys. <laughs> I'm not. My instincts are pessimistic. And yeah. you will hear it even in the way I talk about optimism and pessimism. My gut reaction to most things is pessimistic. Yeah. That's unfortunate. Yeah. And I am, I'm rather optimistic. There are times that I let my emotions get the best of me. But I think overall, I am intrinsically optimistic. But Charlene Lipsy, I tell you what, she's got some great words to share. C- a couple others here. For uh, for optimism, I like this uh, quote by Alephine Tulimak. She says, our best days are ahead of us. Stay positively optimistic and work your butt off. And Alephine, you've heard us talk about her. She won the 2020 U.S. Olympic trials uh, team competition. She's the champion. So she's going to the Olympics. One of the few we know that will be representing Team USA. Really exciting stuff. And that's that reminds me, too, as I'm hearing that quote about our conversation with Talem Franco, which was a couple of episodes 
prior to this one. And he he had that optimism and mm-hmm. he, he did. So, you know, if you want a more protracted conversation that's optimistic, listen to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are these are some good quotes. And he had a number of great things to say, too. And I do want to say Carl Lewis. I want to give his quote because he's yeah, one of the best athletes Lewis. of all time. <laughs> he's actually voted world athlete of the century. Did you know that? Yeah, 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 yeah. He says, if you don't have confidence, you'll always find a way not to win. And that is the truth. So that's yeah. a self-confidence slash optimism hybrid in that quote. Um, that And that's exactly it because that's my pessimism at work is I'm always finding the way it can go wrong before it ever does. And, and that's Inside, not- Inside, outside, all around. Uh, you know, wait, it's all those things. Are you telling me that- it- I'm pessimistic inside, outside. I'm just saying it can be (laughs) any kind of situation. It can be external circumstances. It can be an internal struggle. In all things, we have to turn that back to optimism to see the potentiality of success, no matter what the circumstances. And if you're curious, because you're not 100% sure, which most of us are, (laughs) whether you are more optimistic or pessimistic at a gut level, just pay really close attention the next time you're running a really hard workout or, or a race at the moment when it hurts the most, pay attention to what you're thinking. <laughs> and then tip the scale. And then tip the scale. That's so good. That's so good, Andy. <laughs> well, thank you. Wow. Our next one is humility, which oh, I didn't express, of humility. <laughs> express there. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was me not expressing humility. So you. the idea of a humble athlete is that they don't really underestimate themselves or overestimate themselves, which is mm. a very hard spot to be in because the best athletes aren't going to be humble and thinking, oh, yeah, that person is faster than me. I'm not going to win. But they're going to look at themselves and say, this is a great opportunity for me to grow and chase that really good runner or go and perform with that really good runner. They're not thinking of themselves as less, but they're also taking their competition seriously. Yeah, and so as a coach, this is always a fascinating conversation, right? As a coach, you always want, so I'm thinking about when I was coaching high schoolers in cross country and track, you always want them to believe they can win, right? You need them to believe that they can win. That was kind of the comments from Carl Lewis. Um, However, You don't want them to be arrogant. And so how do you coach in a person the confidence to to triumph over odds to like that level of self-confidence and pride without it being arrogant? And I think one of the keys there is that it's not humble to to degrade myself in my in my own eyes, in my own mind, to look less of myself. And it's not proud or arrogant. Well, it is pride, but it's a good pride. It's not arrogant to look at my capacity to do something and recognize it for what it is. So if I see that I am capable, it's not a bad thing to believe that I am capable and even to talk in that sense. Mm -hmm. I am capable of beating this person. It's not an arrogant thing to say that. And speaking again of my coaching perspective, but it's a really important thing to recognize how we can we can speak into that and mm-hmm. we're thinking like self mantra type of thing yeah. too. So this is like a daily action, right? This is not just when you step up to the line because that's like what? I mean, even for high schoolers, it's only once a week. So yeah. what are we doing in the meantime to be cultivating this? And Raven Rogers, she's a 2019 800 meter world silver medalist. She has a lot of other accolades among being the 800 meter record holder for the NCAA. She says, can't help but smile at the fact that I'm not even at my best self on and off the track. Growing is just one of those things that if it was easy, everyone would invest in it. 
And the reason why I translate this to humility is because she's able to see how far she can go. Like it's like I'm not I've not arrived, but I'm smiling because I've got so much more that I can do in my growth and in, in my self-improvement. And I think it takes humility to see that. And I, I'm a I'm a big fan of Justin Gatlin. And if you're not familiar with his his great triumph, mm-hmm. uh, when he finally how old was he? Thirty four. When he finally beat Usain Bolt, mm-hmm. he got that gold medal. Amazing. So good. And if you know the name Usain Bolt, but you don't know the name Justin Gatlin, then you then need you to learn are the not name. American. No. <laughs> Justin no, Gatlin. He's and some a of five you aren't time, American. I know that. A five-time Olympic medalist. He's got two world gold medals, and he is the most decorated 100-meter sprinter in world championship history. Truth. And that's even beating Usain Bolt. Truth. And the longevity matters there because yes. Justin Gatlin was able to be the best in the world for like 15 years Amazing. straight. It not really saying is. he was always the best in the world for those 15 and years. And that straight. he's not still because he's <laughs> amazing. I think he's going for so it. I think good, he's going for his, what would it be? Yeah, who knows? Who knows? Yeah, I don't want to guess. <laughs> good quote here. Gratitude. Have gratitude for the things you have, even through rough patches of your life. No matter how small it is, be thankful. Now work toward bigger and better. And you definitely saw gratitude on his face mm. with that with that most recent championship win. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Tears of joy. And we're not going to skip this next one either. Allison Felix. She's a 13-time gold medalist. I mean, wait, she's the most Wait. How many? 13-time gold medalist. I thought that there was a law against getting that many gold medals. <laughs> she can't have them all in one spot. I don't think that she's allowed to travel with more than a couple medals at a time. What, has she tried? I I'm I don't know, but I do know that that is a rule that she's not allowed to for liability. Are you, sake. Are you wearing armor? No, <laughs> just all my gold medals. She's got 18 career medals, which makes her the most decorated athlete in world athletic championship history. I think that beats Michael Phelps, actually. Yeah. I don't know, and to- think, total medal count, so. but certainly in track and field, yeah. I've learned that track doesn't define me. My faith defines me. I'm running because I have been blessed with a gift. Hmm. And and here's why, especially why that's humble, is because a person who can be at at the summit, you know, the Everest peak of a sport in historically, um, that person, pride is not a difficult thing to come by. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, I, I am that thing in so many ways, you know, in that sense. And, and yet she says uh, track does not define me, but it could. It would be very easy for track mm-hmm. to define her. Because yeah. it's been like her whole life. Yeah. That, that's rich. I appreciate that from Allison Felix. The next one is trust in the process. You have to believe and buy in to the process. Yeah. So we know as, <laughs> as people who try to help other athletes, whether it was, you know, when I was coaching high school and middle school or anything else, or what we're doing now with A to Z running, we're trying to support other athletes. There's an element of if you don't trust that the process can lead you to success, then there's almost no way it's going to actually happen mm-hmm. because there's going to be moments of doubt. Exactly. Yeah. And there's going to be times where you're going to be in a cycle and things aren't going to be great. And you're going to think, oh man, this training isn't working mm-hmm. or I'm not on the path to success. But knowing that the process is longer than the moment. Ooh. And Andy, you're on top of your game today. <laughs> it's all this inspiration. Inspiration. It's getting to me. So, Andy, you're telling me that even though with your current foot injury, mm. that it's still important for you to trust in the process. It is. 
It is. You're yeah. not blaming me for your injury then? No, it's oh, actually gosh. kind of oh. an odd one. I don't think it... I, I'm not sure I don't it was know. related to training at all. <laughs> I don't but, think so. All right, so Aries Merritt. World record holder in the 110 uh, meter hurdles. I love the 110 meter hurdles. It's he does. one of the he most amazing it. things to watch because first of all, these just just monstrous men, and I'm not saying they all are, but some of the Americans lately especially have been just like these these beasts of humans, like <laughs> capable of running through a brick wall. And they're jumping these hurdles that are like seven feet tall. Yeah, it's amazing. Somehow their legs go so straight, yeah. so high. I'm, I'm just telling you, it's a beautiful thing. A feat of human, uh, what's the word for this? It's just wonderful. Great. It is. Okay, go on. He loves the hurdles. Uh, yeah, I could say more about him because he's gotten gold, a gold medal at the Olympics and was a junior champion and the world indoor champion. He says, there will always be days where you don't feel good or fast enough these are the days you need to put in the work and trust the process. Oh, he actually said the words. Yeah. Focus on the good. Iron out the kinks and stay the course. Yes. So that's the, you know, that's the key to that success is to stay on the path unless there's there's always an important consideration that if if you're breaking down, that's a problem. Uh, but that's rarely the case in in the context that he's talking right. about there. Right. Like for instance, when you're injured, you just don't keep running on an injury yeah. that will keep breaking uh, it down. Hopefully those listening have gleaned <laughs> that we're not recommending that. But I like that he says iron out the kinks mm-hmm. and stay the course because that kind of sums it up. Like, yep. okay, we need to evaluate the things that aren't going right. Yep. And once we iron out those kinks, stay to the vision. All right, Bernard Lagat, yes. who is also a fan favorite in this household. He's a five-time Olympian. He's gotten tons of medals. He's got the record in the indoor 1500 in the mile. And Uh, he pulled off the amazing 1500 5K win in in the 2007 World Championships. That that does not happen often, folks. Because remember, he's beating the world's best in both the 1500, (laughs) the world's best milers, and the world's best distance runners in the 5K in one meet. Yeah. So in outdoor, he has the records in the 1500, the 3K, and the 5K. So he has indoor records and outdoor records. Believe. Believe in yourself. Believe in the process. Remove any doubt about your own capabilities to tackle the task at hand. So resiliency and the ability to learn from setbacks. Too many words to be called a personality trait, but... That's what they said in the in the article, so we're including it. Um, yeah, but really, I mean, we're talking about resiliency. That's what that ability mm-hmm. to learn from setbacks really is. So Brianna McNeil, she's an Olympic gold medalist in the 100-meter hurdles. She's uh, been a junior champion, lots of stuff, lots of accolades. We'll have a link there. Did you finish the week off strong? Did you meet your goals? Whether you did or not, focus on the positives and how you can be better next time. Yeah, how you can be better next time is is so That's important. That's resilience. It is, and and really, um, in, in running, there's never going to be a runner who doesn't experience setbacks um, because of the nature of the thing. You know, it, I guess it's possible. It's possible to like have everything in your life perfect and consistent all the time. But even like the uncontrollables, like this pandemic situation, yeah. is a setback. Right. And speaking of which, Tony McQuay. He's amazing. Two-time Olympian, silver medalist, gold medalist, world champion, all the accolades. He said, due to the Tokyo delays, the pandemic, he says, the focus continues. More time to build, more time to create, more time 
to elevate. I love the word choice. I like the word choice because he didn't say like train and work hard and stuff, which obviously, you know, that's what what people are doing. He said create and elevate. Mm, Good words. Yeah. He must be a poet. Yes. Well, sounds like it. He's a poet in the 400 meters. That's for sure. Yes. Ah, See what I did there? Mm -hmm. That was good. So resiliency matters. Um, Here's the thing. The ability to learn from setbacks almost always comes hand in hand with the idea of adaptability, agility, adaptability. Like you have to be able to change the course in some sense, to some degree, to be able to learn from the setback. Because, mm-hmm. you know, what's the what's the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over, expecting different results. Yeah. So you've got to be able to do that. Um, and most of us find that that is a difficult thing. It creates a kind of cognitive dissonance mm. where it's like, this is the thing, the trust in the process thing, right? This is the thing I should be doing but I'm not getting the results I want, but I don't want to change it because I don't want to abandon the process. So that's that iron out the kinks comment from, uh, who is the iron out the kinks person? Bernard, nope, not Leggett. Sorry, um, Aries Merritt. And so when he said iron out the kinks, that's really, the, that's the key combination between trusting the process and learning from your setbacks. That's solid stuff. Mm-hmm. So this next one here is vulnerability, which I think is a really compelling idea for high-performing athletes. Um, The first element of this is that anytime you put yourself out there, you just go for it, you're being vulnerable. Yes. Anytime. Good point. And and yet, it's true that there are many of us who get nervous about the idea of really putting it out there. And we don't want to be that Uh, vulnerable because you might not succeed. You hit the nail on the head with that. I didn't think about this word. Well, you had so many good ones today. I thought I would try to throw it. Yeah. So I have thought that about running. And I think that's what bonds us sometimes as running as runners, excuse me, Mm. because we are vulnerable with each other. Blood, sweat and tears. Yeah. And what um, Obsey last week, what she said about running being a language, I think that that kind of mm. speaks into this too because you're running next to each other and you're experiencing that vulnerability together. So the, yeah, that's a really good point. English Gardener says, when trying to obtain your destiny, it requires a leap of faith, but also requires you to be broken and stretched. Mm. Yeah, that is very vulnerable, being broken and stretched in ways that are kind of public for some of these athletes, too. That's true. That's true. You know, so there's, there's so many ways you can talk about, you know, different directions you can take the, these concepts and this one specifically. Um, and one of the things I just want to mention, and this is this is me, I guess, just saying thanks to many of you listening. So anytime an athlete says, you know what, I don't have it all figured out and I think I might need some help. So let me call up these guys who work with athletes and they help train athletes and ask them for help. And so clearly I'm specifically talking about those of you who have asked us to provide some kind of support with your training or coaching or any of that. And so to all of you, thank you because you are being vulnerable in that moment. And we understand that. We want to recognize that to ask for to to recognize that you don't have the solutions. And I'm saying this universally, you is not an easy thing to do. And it's especially difficult to do it in front of someone else or to someone else. Mm-hmm. And so there's obviously like with the English gardeners comment here, um, we, we need to be broken and stretched. And it's one thing for that to be in your mind. It's another thing for it to be transparent. Mm-hmm. And in so many ways running often is. Yeah. 
And how many times have we been sprawled out, sprawled out after a race or vomiting or sweating? I or have never done any of those or, things. You know, especially peeing ourselves, not. all Wait, kinds of things. You're just talking about yourself right now. Hey, I'm I'm hoping <laughs> that other people uh, can relate to what I'm saying right now. But it is a very vulnerable sport. So I think many of you that are listening right now probably have this strength of vulnerability just by being in the sport of running. That's it. Next up is the willingness to fight. And of course, you know, we can't leave that off the list because running is a fight. It is. Meb Keflazigi, he is a 2004 Olympic silver medalist, four-time Olympian. He's won the New York Marathon. I mean, he's won Boston. So many things. He was a former U.S. record holder in the marathon as well. And he says, when race day came... I was ready to think big, be in the moment, and show show grit in the face of suffering. Mm. And there's there's definitely something to that. Where are like are you ready to be present in the moment, knowing that the moment's gonna a lot of those moments are gonna be painful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, um, and it says willingness to fight oh, yeah. is what this uh, personality trait is, and to go into the day thinking about it. Ready to be big, ready to be in the moment, and then ready to suffer. I, that is the marathon to me. Yeah. I mean, every event, I, I'm sure every running event, but when I think about the marathon, you know, if you give it your all, there will be some suffering. Mm. Even those Olympic top qualifiers from the US, watching that video back, looking at their faces, they all looked in pain. Yeah. And a lot yeah. of those people are usually good at hiding that, even if they are feeling it. But I saw on the face of like all six of those athletes who completed the race. Yeah. You know, there's there's something too, and I, I don't want to go off on this tangent for more than just a second, but um, I think part of the reason why Americans love American football is because of the clear struggle. Like, like you're literally fighting another person <laughs> just in a somewhat civilized manner. Um and, you know, I think there's there's a reason we enjoy that. And especially we enjoy it when we know that they're not actually trying to hurt each other. You know, that makes it feel a little bit better to see people fight. Um, but running, running is the purest form of that because you can't do anything to harm the opponent. You can only endure a greater degree of suffering yourself. yourself. Mm-hmm. And that is the most incredible kind of fight to willingly put yourself in. Like the, I don't know whether that person's going to be able to do this, but I have no choice but to try mm-hmm. and suffer. I must. Mm-hmm. Wilma Rudolph, she knew a lot about suffering. And if you don't know her name, uh, she is a very large part of women's running history. She overcame disabilities. She was a sickly child and she competed at the 1956 Summer Games and she became the first woman to win three gold medals in track and field in a single event or single Olympics, excuse me. So she's a two-time Olympian, three-time gold medalist, and two-times bronze medalist. And she says, the triumph can't be had without the struggle. And that is the point. And a good moment for us to kind of end our discourse on this list of personality traits. So clearly, many of these things are kind of like 
also habits that you can develop. Many of them are also like character related things. You know, they're kind of intertwined in a lot of things. And that's why, by the way, why I made the comment earlier, personality science is a convoluted science at best. Um, there's just too many things that are influencing it that we just don't actually yet have tangible measurement. Of. But we do know that they're important. But we do know we that. We know that they're there and they're real and they influence yes. our abilities and our mindset. And as I look through these, even though they're considered to be personality traits, I'm going to call them more like objectives. Because even mm. if I don't obtain all of a single quality here, I can see that I might have the potential to exercise that quality in my running or in my life. So I do think we can train towards better mindset and these qualities to be strengthened. And, you know, it's just helpful to have a specific area of focus too. Um, you know, we can talk about, you know, having strong, strong mentally, strong emotionally, like those kinds of things. We can say that, but, but there's more to it than just being emotionally strong or mentally prepared, you know, all of that. So um, that's helpful. We only talked about like nine or 10 of them on this list right. of 20. So if you want to see the whole list and I, you know, I recommend it, it's good to see it um, for, for the read, but don't look at a list like this and think if I don't see myself in all in enough of these things then I can't be high performing athlete. Cause right. that's not the point. There's no way to even know that because as you might guess for every one of these, where you can say, humility is is an important thing that we see in all these high performing athletes you can turn right around and say overconfidence or <laughs> cutthroat yeah. arrogance is the thing we see in all these high performing athletes absolutely is you know what we we said uh willingness to fight you know we'll, we see willingness to fight in all these high performing athletes but you know we also might see like like caution and you know so yes there it's both of them yeah, so the idea is to cultivate the good stuff, feed the fire, raise the ceiling of potential, and realize and look for potential that I have already in me. Yeah, that really is it. So um, it's always it's always valuable to examine the person beneath the great achievements. And I think that's what's helpful in something like this. You know, you, you see someone like Aji Wilson and Bernard Legat and Meb Keflazigi, you see these people and you think, but, but who are these people? And how did the answer to that question influence their success? Because it certainly does. And it's not, it's not to find out how I can be just like that person. It's to see where those positive traits helped them along the way and it, try to intentionally grow those things. Andy said it, cultivate the good stuff. Try to intentionally grow those things in ourselves. And I think in in so many ways, we learn the most about these kinds of things when in the midst of the greatest struggles. And so that's where that uh, that key point is when the pain is real and big, when the setbacks hit and all of those things, that's where the gut reaction is going to come out. The unplanned and unprepared thing is going to come out of me. And so I want to cultivate those good things so that when the struggle hits, mm -hmm. a good thing comes out of me. Mm -hmm. And that's part of visualization as well. And I would have to say that inspiration comes within and without. So these athletes mm -hmm. that I have mentioned here continue to investigate their stories, follow their journeys as many of these athletes are still at the top of their game and looking toward joining Team USA for another Olympics. And seeing these athletes allows for us to to see the potential of of the human. What, it, what was that that they said about Kipchoge? Um, 
the potential of the human race like what was oh that? yeah yeah i can't remember the comment but it was exactly yeah. that you know in him we see the potential of humanity kind of exactly thing. And, so yeah. when we do that we also expand our own vision of what we can do yeah I like that. I like that. And that's a huge part of why we devote so much of our time and attention to trying to bring guests on the show to hear their story and their experiences. And sometimes they have very specific practical things to share or ideas to give. And sometimes they're just telling about their experiences. And I think there is equal value to both of those things. And so always we're trying to learn from who other athletes and other people are and what they have accomplished and what they have to say about it. So if there are some of these traits that you feel like you have and want to talk with us about it, if you want further conversation about these quotes and these athletes, we love connecting with you. So you can find us at A to Z Running on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And of course, the blog post, you can drop a comment there. And one more shameless plug, we know that there are some kinds of race opportunities beginning to start to appear more confidence that the racing scene will return in some capacity and is already returning. And with that comes the desire for greater direction and need for clarity in our training. And so if you feel like you're in a spot where you need or could benefit from direction and clarity or support in some way, we provide that. We do training, we do coaching, and we do a combination of training and coaching, depending on what you need. Yeah, so hit us up, and of course, we'll talk to you next week.